You ready? Okay. You're tired from lunch? Wake up. Okay, anybody falls asleep? Call yeah. Actually, um, I've been asked to do something. Uh, what was the name of that movie? Uh, up with that dog that gets distracted. You know, the dog. So anytime I say, okay, if I said squirrel, you know, you'd be distracted. So instead of saying squirrel, just like the old days, I'm just going to point my hand. So if I find you being distracted, and if I do this, um, Okay, so I'm a little tired. I'm doing that. Okay. Okay. Not when I'm doing this. I do this. Yeah, slow. Okay, there you go. All right, uh, let's open in prayer. We just know. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love that has been poured out upon us, demonstrated by your presence through the Holy Spirit. May your love be present here. Do teach us by your Spirit, by your Word, as to how we are to display your love. Demanding, yet aspect essential to our discipleship. Teach us, train us, for we bear your name, and we long to do so honorably. We pray in the name of Jesus, and all of God's children said. All right, let me begin this way. I'm going to go ahead and move this a little bit. It's heavy. Uh, Okay. Uh, I'd like you to talk to me about love in general. Just give me some... uh, This talk, by the way, is loving, loving our neighbors... Or let me make it more personal. Loving your neighbors. Okay, do you have any neighbors for that? Yeah. Okay. Neighbors too? Okay, neighbors. Yeah. Alright. This talk is going to deal with the wonderful and the weird. Wonderful and the weird. And you're thinking, we know the weird part. Uh, what if we wait for the wonderful? But what I'd like you to do now is just give me some random thoughts that you have about, that you've heard. Not that you own, but that you've had about love. About you know loving other people. What are some thoughts, ideas, notions that you've heard? Go talk, speak. No. I can love yourself. Come in. Love like or love others like you. Yeah, love yourself. yourself. Okay, love yourself. Okay, good. What else? No hmm. judgment. No, what? No judgment. No judgment. Hmm. Okay, what else? <laughs> Giving gifts. What? Giving gifts. Giving gifts. Okay, what else? Give me some weird stuff I love. Doesn't matter what it is. It's love. Yeah, sure. It doesn't matter if it is, as long as you love. Just, just what else? Accept them for who they are. Accept them for who they are. Because you want them to do that for you, right? I don't want to change. I don't love to change. But just accept them for me. So what else? Come again, once? <laughs> oh, yeah, that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's. Uh, Set it free. What? Uh, uh, fill in the blank. Love is a battlefield. Yeah, way to go. Love is a battlefield. What's that? Cat Benatar, that's right. <clears throat> what else? Love is like a what? <laughs> River. What? <laughs> what else? Sorry. 
A red, red rose. Thank you. Pastor Booth brings us back to reality. What else? Love is like what? No, that's the, those are the fruit of the Spirit. Love. But no, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is being kind. Okay? What else? What have you heard about love? What's something wacky you've heard about love? Yes, I don't want someone to love you like time goes kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's close in prayer. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's a question. What's love got to do with it? <laughs> hmm? Okay. You don't have an answer for that? I do. Uh, biblical, love is stronger than death. That's interesting. Interesting. Well, loving our neighbors. I'm going to give you the roadmap for this talk, and then I'm going to rattle right through it, and then we have another pastoral panel afterwards. Okay, so here's the roadmap for this talk. Loving your neighbors, loving our neighbors. First of all, love is a command. That's the first point. Okay, love is a command. Next, you already know how to do this. That's the second point. I'll be repeating these. Okay, there are evasive maneuvers that we take. Okay. And fourth, neighbors are not you. That's my talk. There's the summary. Is he upset? Okay, just check it. I'm going to look at people. Alright? Love is a command. Okay? You already know how to do it. There's no excuse. Three? Third point? I can remember that. Oh, evasive maneuvers. almost forgot that. And the fourth one, neighbors are not you. So I'm going to give you some scriptural data. I hope you have your Bibles. You have your Bibles? Okay, because I'm going to have you keep uh, track of this in a number of places. You can turn to some of them, but there's going to be one or two that I'm going to have you stay in for a little while. I'm going to begin in Matthew chapter 22. Here's the first point. Love is a command. This is considered the second great command to love your neighbors. Love your neighbors. We've already heard the rest of the line as yourselves. We're going to pick it up, Matthew 22, verse 34. Follow along. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him, and this is what he said. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus answers the lawyer, and this is what he said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Pastor Booth just talked on this. His first address was on loving God. It's the first great commandment. The second is like it. The second is like it. They're very similar. They're connected. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, pay attention to this, these next ones. On these two commandments, so there are two commandments, love God Love your neighbors. They're similar. They're both great. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. Hang the law and the prophets. Or another way to render that would be on these two commandments depend the law and the prophets. Hmm, that's very interesting. This is not new. Love is a command. 
It's not new. This comes from Leviticus 19, verse 18. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Hmm, That's interesting. Don't take vengeance. Don't bear a grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let's turn that around. Love your neighbor as yourself. That means don't take vengeance on or bear a grudge against the children of your people. You ever borne a grudge against someone? You know what? I I need to be careful what that person did. Matter of fact, even here, probably today, yesterday, you missed, you bothered, bearing a grudge. You're not fulfilling this command. You're not loving your neighbor. Luke chapter 10. I want you to go to Luke 10, and you're going to keep your finger here in Luke 10 for a little while. It's very similar to what we just read in Matthew. Remember this first point is, this is a command. This is a commandment. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This is a different question. Before, Which is the great commandment? Here, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to this particular man, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So this man answered Jesus and said, Here's what I've read. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. This, is a take, uh, this takes Deuteronomy chapter 6, as well as Leviticus. Puts them together. Deuteronomy 6 is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You know what Shema means? It means listen, hear. If I say, hey, Shema, listen, listen, hear. By the way, in the Bible, to hear is to obey. That's interesting. So what does Jesus then say to him? Verse 28. And Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Stop right there. Keep your finger there. Okay? This first point is very simple. Love is a command. You're commanded to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, every fiber of your being. And you're to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? You've got this command to love your neighbor. I don't know that I want to do that. I don't know that I want to obey. I don't know that I want to hear that. Well, I want to let you know something else. The, sec- the second great commandment is a neighbor to the one another statements in the Bible. You know, there's a lot of one another statements in the Bible. Pray for one another, encourage one another, build up one another. The second great commandment to love your neighbor is actually a neighbor to the one another comment, to statements. So keep your finger here in Luke 10, and now you're going to go over to Romans chapter 13. Romans 13. What's happening here is no one can get away with saying, you know what, I'm loving within toward this person. I have loving thoughts toward them. Oh, if only you knew what was inside, you'd know how loving I really am. No, no, it comes out. We're going to pick it up in verse 8. What do you owe one another? By the way, you know your debtors. You are debtors. Verse 8, this is what you are indebted. You are indebted to one another. 
owe nothing, owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, and here's the saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're one another's as a neighbor to love your neighbor as yourself. Same proximity, same neighborhood. Verse 10, here's, and everybody's going, I don't really know what it means to love my neighbor. Verse 10 gives you an answer. Look at verse 10, Romans 13. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay, so what's love got to do with it? Uh, A lot about the law. What's the law got to do with it? A lot about love. How do I love you? How do you love him? And how do you love him? How do you love your neighbors? You don't do any... First starters, you don't do harm to them. Don't do harm to them. Well, okay, I think I can get that. I, I can go there. This love is a desire... I'm going to put it positively now when I steal this from C.S. Lewis. This love is a desire or a seeking or a longing for the good of another. How do you know if you love your neighbor? Do you seek their good? Or do you seek to harm them? Okay. Love is a commandment. I've got a few other comments, and you know, we dabbled with this during the QA. I'm gonna make a sharp point of it right now. Love, this love as a command, is not primarily a feeling. It's not first out of the chute as a feeling. You don't sit there and go, I wonder if I feel loving toward that person. And then what happens is you try to gin up these feelings or these emotions as to whether or not... Listen how silly this is. I'm trying to feel whether or not I should do harm to my neighbor or do good to my neighbor, whomever my neighbor is. See how silly that is? And how many people want to enter a loving relationship with someone else who will become his or her closest neighbor, your spouse. And they want to go... Love is a command. Feelings will follow. Feelings will follow. Feelings are also present in this. I mentioned earlier that this is one of the American idols today, and this is what determines what most people do. I want to see whether or not I feel like doing that, I'm going to go do it. Well, the question really is is it right or wrong? I really think what's going on is that our desires are too weak. We're too weak with our desires at times. Okay. So it's command. Let me end with Augustine's prayer. Augustine offered this prayer. Lord, command what Thou wilt and give what Thou commandest. Basically this. Lord, command away and then give me the enablement to do what You commanded. It's a good prayer. Command what Thou wilt and give what Thou commandest. You know what? It's not going. It's not fighting against the Lord. I don't like your commands. I don't like that command. I don't like that you said that, Lord. You commanded it. Now enable me to do this. That's the first point. And you're thinking you're all nodding. You're doing the bobblehead. So I'm afraid of something right now. So get ready. Squirrel. Good. You stay awake. See a couple of nodders out there. Here we go. Go nodding. Squirrel. Oh, pokey. All right. 
All right, next. The second point is that you already know how to do this. You don't have any excuses. No excuses. No excuses here. You can say, you can, you can pretend to have your own uh, wiggle room and, and, you know what, I really don't know how to do this. I've already given you the tip. You don't, you don't do harm to your neighbor and you seek the good of your neighbor. The, the commandments already explain this. Don't, you know, honor father and mother. Don't commit adultery. Don't take what is not yours. Do no murder. You know, the commandments explain this. But there's something more to this. How are we to love our neighbors? The Bible is clear. Love your neighbor as yourself. Seek their good. Don't seek their harm. In a very real sense, we already do this. Because we already love ourselves. Everyone in here loves himself or herself. You do. And I don't mean it in the sense that you're, you know, you're always looking for a mirror. You can't wait for it to get dark so that the windows become... That's not what I'm talking about. Each of you, in one way or another, seek your own good. You do not seek your own harm. You're already doing it. So the wonderful wisdom of Scripture is to love your neighbor. How do I love my neighbor? And later on, you're going to say, who's my neighbor? It's a good question. Love your neighbor the way you love yourself. You already know how to do this. So don't play any games with, I really don't know how to do this. I love what C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity. Listen to this. Our love for ourselves does not mean that we like ourselves. It means that we wish our own good. In the same way Christian love or charity for our neighbors is quite a different thing from liking or affection. We like or are fond of some people and not of others. It is important to understand that this natural liking is neither a sin nor a virtue any more than your likes or dislikes of food are a sin or a virtue. It's just a fact. But of course, what we do about it is either sinful or virtuous. Lewis goes on. By the way, we're not used to those kind of distinctions. He loved language. We should... Love language. He recognizes that distinction. There are certain things about me. You know, I don't like that. But I'm not going to evade what Ephesians 5.29 says. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Lewis goes on. The rule... So here's the question... Uh, how do I love my neighbor? We're wondering whether or not we do it. Lewis deals with that. Here we go. This is very helpful. He does this, by the way, for the love of God, too. The rule for all of us is perfectly simple. Do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you will find yourself disliking him more. If you do him a good turn, you will find yourself disliking him less. Don't waste time. Do I love this person? Get about it. It's, it, it, it's a command. 
That's the first point. The second point is you already know how to do this. So how do you want to be treated? Remember our fingers are still in Luke chapter two, chapter 10. We're going to go there in just a minute. But how do you want to be treated? Our Lord calls this the golden, I mean we call this the golden rule. But I want you to listen to our Lord's instruction. Listen to doing someone a good turn. Giving, as Pastor Booth pointed out about the love of God. God so loved the world that He gave. Listen to this. Jesus says, I want you to ask, and it will be given to you. Given. I want you to seek, and you will find. Go ahead and knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Consider this. Is there a man among you who, if his son comes to him and says, Dad, I'd like some bread, will that dad give him a stone? No, we assume the father loves the son. Or, if he asks for, Dad, can I have a fish? Will he say, here's a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, no giving good gifts, you're acting loving. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Therefore, here's what we call the golden rule. Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. There's that line again. The law and the prophets. Loving God and loving our neighbors upon this hang the entire law and the prophets. How do you want to be treated? We already know how to do this. You know what we'll do though? We'll sit there and we'll, we'll manufacture ways to get around it. I know what I'm going to do, but I don't want to do it. I'm guilty of it, you're guilty of it. James 4, 17. Uh, to him who knows the right thing to do and does it not, to him it is sin. Oh, this now opens the door to the third point of evasive maneuvers. We're always evading things. Especially the positive commands of our Lord. The negative ones, we think we've got those down. Do not do this. You shall have no other guys to come God. But the positive, the positive state at once, honor father and mother. We're going, how do I do that? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Here, love the Lord your God with every fiber of your being and love your neighbor as yourself. And we tend to go, how do I do that? I don't know. I just have to love the clarity of Scripture. You know what we do? We'll read our Bibles and go, ooh, troublesome, troublesome. I don't want to read that. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then we make up foolishness, like, I really don't like myself that much. Or, I'm not in love with myself. <laughs> so I don't have to do anything for that. All right, here we are. Back in Luke chapter 10, I would like someone with a loud voice to read verse 29. Someone with a loud voice. Who's who? No one. Thank you. What? Oh, you got it? Stand, stand up. 1029. Luke 1029. Stand up and twirl. Okay. Interesting. Could you read that again, please? But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? That's the next question we ask. 
Him? Them? Who's my neighbor? You know, this can be a very honestly asked question. I know many Christians, matter of fact, you are probably asking this question right now. Who, who, who is my neighbor? This particular person, after asking Jesus, you know what, I don't know, how do I have eternal life? Jesus said, do you read the scriptures? What do they say to you? Love the Lord your God with every fiber of your being. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, can you do that? That's life. But who is my neighbor? Do you know Jesus gave an answer to that? You know the answer so well that you're probably thinking of it in some other way. Well, listen. That man wanted to justify himself. He wanted to defend himself. He wanted to get back off in the corner, make himself look good. So he said, who is my neighbor? Jesus answered, this is what Jesus said. There was a certain man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves. You know what the thieves did? They stripped him naked. They wounded him. They beat him down. They departed. They left him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Then a Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came and looked and he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn to care of him. The next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Now Jesus asked the question. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor? Was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the man said, the one who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. You want to love God? You want to love your neighbor? Go and act like that. So we're still wondering, who's my neighbor? I'm going to give you a simple answer for it. Here it is. Those who are in proximity to you and on your path. Proximity and path. That's always the answer for your neighbor. Some people are always running hither and yon. They want to get close to those people. They're not your neighbors. But if, they, if you end up on the same path, you're neighbors. If there's a proximity, there are neighbors. The answer is really simple. So there we are. Three points out of four. Checking the time. Love is a command. We already know how to do this. We know about evasive maneuvers. And that's because we seek to justify ourselves. This is going to lead us to the last bit. And that neighbors are not ourselves. Neighbors are not you. This is where it gets difficult. This is where the weird comes in. All of this is wonderful. The Lord's law is wonderful. The Lord's clarity of His law is wonderful. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the Lord's law does not allow us to sit too comfortably. 
Because sometimes there are people that are on our path or with whom we are in proximity to and we get to obey and it's difficult. And it's also wonderful. So here we are, last point. Neighbors are not you. Neighbors are not you. You can say, that sounds pretty obvious. Let me explain. To treat others as you want to be treated does not mean that you assume that they like everything that you like. Sports, early mornings, your weird music, (laughs) your crazy clothing. Some people think, you know what, I'd like this for me, so I'm going to give it to you. You haven't even taken the time to inquire. This is why the wonderful wisdom is you shall do no harm to your neighbor and you shall seek their good gives you a larger picture, an umbrella. How do I want to be treated? I don't want you to harm me. I want you to do what's good for me. I can do that. And it will look different in different cases. Situations with different people. You are not supposed to go through life without neighbors. If you're going through as a solo, you're a weird. You're not supposed to go through solo. God, the Lord so clearly taught earlier, our God is trinal, Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Eternal communion, eternal love, eternal communication, eternal interaction. And we are made in the image of God. We are to commune with one another. Now, some people are a bit more vivacious than others. Fine. Some people are more out there than others. Fine. I'm going I'm to take the language back. We need to, in the body of Christ, we need to learn how to celebrate diversity. We do. Because we're the one place that can truly be diverse with true unity. We can have distinctions amidst our unity. You are not meant to go alone. You are not meant to go solo. And here's the good news. Some of the people you meet are wonderful and some, to your way of thinking, are weird. They are. You know what happens then? Since neighbors are not you, opportunities to serve those who are very different than you. Sometimes we have this Bunkerite mentality. There's the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Hittites. There's some people that are bunkerites. It has to be everybody just like us. No. There's a wonderful diversity in the body of Christ. And you know what we're going to hear later on about how in the world do we love our enemies? How do we love the world? We're going to hear how do we love our families? There's some curiosities in our own families. 
We get trained right there. It starts right there. Opportunities to serve those who are different than you. You may say, you know what, I want my pastor to do that. I, I want Pastor Hatting to do that. Pastor Hat, and you know what, he, he has to. And that's some of you say that, yeah, that's right, he ha- I don't know, you do too. You get the opportunity to serve others who are different than you, and through it all, you have opportunities to grow. Opportunities to grow. So you may think I was a little harsh on your neighbors, saying that some of them are weird. Some of them are weird. Here we go. I want you to know something. It's not just your neighbors who are weird. Remember, you are their neighbor too. You. They likely know you and they have opinions of you too. You may be an opportunity for their growth, just like they are for you. You know something that happens with our neighbors and our close close proximity? Because remember, path and proximity. Where, where are my neighbors? Those whom you come in contact with. The more you know your neighbor, the more you know and the more you are known. The more, have you noticed this? The more you get to know someone, you know which buttons to push. Brother or sister, perhaps. You can just, just that tone of voice. Just, you know, just that one word. Just say, you, would you, and do I have a testimony? Anybody want to, you want to share a story? No, don't. Um, <laughs> you, you know the one thing to say that sets your brother or your sister off. You know it. You know what? There's no excuse. There's no excuse. Just like you know, you, you, you already know how to love your neighbor. You can say, well, I really know how to set them off. <laughs> I really know how to bother them. Buttons and botherations, that's what I'm going to call this. You know, that's what it is. You know how to... It's, certain people come by and they just grate you. <laughs> Recently I had a, a good friend ask me... You know, I was once, once, back in 72, I was bothered by someone. And... Uh, <laughs> This dear friend of mine asked me whether or not I prayed for this person. And I honestly said, no, I haven't been. I was not loving my neighbor. My neighbor was doing everything my neighbor was supposed to be doing. Being him or herself in his or her weird and wonderful ways. And I wasn't growing I was groaning. I wasn't maturing. I was mumbling. I wasn't loving. I was sulking. Is it possible that this neighbor knew exactly how to bother me? Possible. It's not been given me to know. What has been given you? Love your neighbor as yourself. Because that's just like the first commandment. You're to love me with every fiber of your being. And I know that's not even possible unless I love you first. And you already know what this is. Get, get about it. Stop asking whether or not you do it and start acting as if you love this person. Stop with the excuses. Stop with the little evasive maneuvers.
just a few more minutes here. One last point about neighbors, and then I'm going to sum all this up, is there's something fascinating about neighbors. Neighbors are, for the most part, usually not chosen by us. Now you can say, no, I chose to move into this neighborhood, but you didn't choose every one of your neighbors. You're going down this path, and you come into proximity or on the same path as someone else, and they're there. For the most part, you're not choosing your neighbors. For the most part, neighbors are chosen for you. And this includes your weird Uncle Al and your curious Aunt Mary. All the members of the body of Christ, your close neighbors, the people that are there, curious people placed there by the Lord. So for the most part, you've not chosen your neighbors. They've been chosen for you. The next thing, the, the, the neighborhood is usually larger than we consider. I'm going to, I happily take this from G.K. Chesterton. Here we go. Chesterton once wrote, it is not fashionable to say much nowadays of the advantages of the small community. We are told that we must go in for large empires and large ideas. There is one advantage, however, in the small state, city, or the village, which only the willfully blind can overlook. The man who lives in a small community lives in a much larger world. He knows much more of the fierce varieties and uncompromising divergencies of men. The reason is obvious. In a large community, we can choose our companions. In a small community, our companions are chosen for us. A couple of points. We're always looking for the big, for going out into the grand. I know people that have wanted to, to vacate faithfulness in the small scale, faithfulness with, God, with what God has placed right in front of them or the neighbor that God has placed right in front of them so that they can go and be loving to neighbors on the other side of the world. You know what they're going to do? They're only going to export what they already have. If they're uh, uh, cranky and nasty and, 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 and they ignore those who are right in front of them, they're eventually going to do that in Kenya. But they want the big. They want the grand. We're constantly saying, you know what? Be faithful with what's right in front of you. Right there. Right there. And give thanks for, for what's right here. You're going to find that thanks growing. You're going to find yourself loving your neighbor. Right? Uh, Flannery O'Connor at one time spoke of the way she goes about writing her fascinating uh, stories. And she said, I find myself to be much like the blind housekeeper of Dr. Johnson. Dr. Johnson had a blind housekeeper. And when she was pouring his tea, she would always keep her finger just inside the cup so she could feel the heat. In other words, she was paying attention to the details of what was right in front of her, even without sight. She said, that's the way I go about writing my stories. I pay attention to the details. That's how Chesterton says there's, there's actually a largeness to the smallness. He says, if we were tomorrow morning snowed up in the street in which we live, we should, suddenly, we should step suddenly into a much larger and much wilder world than we have ever known. Because all of a sudden you're there. You've got this community. And, but, but I'm going to stop. How many of you have got, I, want, I don't want to be known. I want to get out of the community. I don't want to be a neighbor. 
in only the Chestertonian way. It is the whole effort of the typically modern person to escape from the street in which he lives. First, he invents modern hygiene and goes to Margate. Then he invents modern culture and goes to Florence. Then he invents modern imperialism and goes to Timbuktu. He goes to fantastic borders of the earth. He pretends to shoot tigers. He almost rides on a camel. And in all this, he is still essentially flying from the street in which he was born. And of this flight, he is always ready with his own explanation. He says he is fleeing from the street because it is too dull. He is lying. He is really fleeing from his street because it is a great deal too exciting. It is exciting because it is exacting. It is exacting because it is alive. Stop. You know your neighbors and your neighbors know you. When your garage door is open, they hear you saying, Hey, I'm coming! They know what's going on. We make our friends, we make our enemies, but God makes our next door neighbor. Hence, He comes to us clad in all the careless terrors of nature. He is as strange as the stars, as reckless and indifferent as the rain. He is man the most terrible of the beasts. That is why the old religions and the old scriptural language showed so sharp a wisdom when they spoke not of one's duty towards humanity, but of one's duty towards one's neighbor. How many, how many political talk today? They are obligations for humanity. Let's go to what the Lord says about our duties to our neighbors. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up here. I'll summarize it. The greatest commands are connected. Love to God, love to one another. To love God leads to loving our neighbors. We already know how to do this. We need to be aware of evasive maneuvers. And by the way, you know your evasive maneuvers. Our neighbors have a nearness to us. There is a proximity. We will find them on our path. And our neighbors are not us. They are different than us. They are placed there by God, chosen for us instead of by us, and in the smallness there is a largeness, and it is true with our neighborhoods, with our families, and with our churches. Chosen by God. By the way, one last little note on this, and I'm going to wrap. Loving our neighbors is a complete death blow to evolution. Complete death blow to evolution. Where in the world does loving one's neighbor, one's fellow, make any sense in a survival of the fittest mentality? Make sense of that? So it's really curious. We walk out these doors, we drive down the road, we're going to find people that are going to say, you know, I don't accept this kind of creation. And then they're going to say, well, we all love one another. Anyway, uh, I'll stop here. Let's, uh, let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing. Father in heaven, we ask that you enable us to live lives that reflect your love. For you have demonstrated your love, pouring out your spirit upon us, and in that your son died for us while we were yet enemies. Heavenly Father, may we please you in our 
endeavors here, for you have enabled us to do this, giving us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Train us, teach us, for your honor, for the glory of your name, for the health of the church, and for the sake of the world that you love as well. We pray this through Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen.